best friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun, a special happy graduation episode. Thinking about all you graduates out there today. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So glad to be here with you today. Our music in the background for just a couple more weeks is from our good friend, Mr. John McLaughlin. Make sure you've grabbed a copy of his album, Angst and Grace. So if you have a friend who is graduating or a friend that is moving on to a new season of life, this is a great show to share with them. Today on the podcast, we have one of my dear friends and an incredibly talented musician, Andrew Osenga. Also, Andy hosts a podcast called The Pivot that I have grown to really, really love about moving from one season of life, one profession, one area, one neighborhood into another. And this show has just been really helpful for me as I've thought about change. And so when I was thinking about making sure we had a show ready for the graduates, Andy is who I wanted on the show. So here is my good friend. Mr. Andrew Osenga. What is he thinking? What is he feeling about me and my feelings? <laughs> I don't think I knew you were a four, Andy. You didn't. What? Oh, did you just learn you're a four? <laughs> no. Oh, you like, just don't tell. Like, I learned about the, are we doing this? Yeah, I learned about this. the Enneagram probably 10 years ago. Uh, I was on the road with Andrew Peterson and Jill Phillips was on, was on the tour. Yeah. And she had just done this big study on it. So she like taught us all and we all learned our numbers. And yeah, I'm like a four with a four wing. Uh, yeah, I'm a seven with a seven wing. So <laughs> I know exactly what you mean There's when you say that. There's not a lot that. of gray area for what me. What is your yeah. wife? What's Allison? I, we, we think, well, she's going to love this. We think that maybe she's a six yeah. because she can't do the test because it stresses her out too much. Right. Which is, I guess, And she's been one of my dearest friends for almost a decade. And I'd put a lot of six in there. Yeah. A lot of like, yeah. I, I think I think it's fair. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. So in your fourness, <laughs> yes, <laughs> we like. This talking, is not Enneagram month. No, no, no. no it's it. not Enneagram month. Let's do it. But it's a preview. the question is, you know, one of the things we would love your shows kind of are gift to graduates. The only thing I know to give to graduates besides people buying them copies of my books. How early do you think it matters to know yourself as like that in an Enneagram way in a for people who think Enneagram's not great in a um, Myers-Briggs way, in a Strength Finder's way, when's the right time to learn that about yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I mean, I feel like you can always be learning about yourself. I mean, I think right. it's, I think you continue to learn as you grow, as things happen to you, as you respond to things. Yeah. That's what I've learned is that I learn more and more about who I am as I go, why did I do that? Yeah, you right. Know? And now I'm 40. So like, I've been baffled by myself many times. Right. And I think it's those moments where you get to learn the most. How do you respond different to the baffling at 40 than you did at 18? I think when I was 18, it was probably an immediate spiral into guilt and shame over whatever I did. And now it's more of a like, okay, that was dumb. Hmm. Let's try to fix it and learn from it. Yeah. You know? I find myself asking so much more. I mean, I love getting older so much. Because I find myself asking, huh, what am I supposed to learn from this? Mm-hmm. I might be in a bad situation. I might be getting myself in a dumb situation. Mm-hmm. I wonder what I'm supposed to learn from this. You have the clarity now to know that you're not going to stay in that situation. When you're yes. 18, this is the only situation you've ever been in. Yes. Right? It's the. This is my entire adult life. Yes. And now it's like, yeah, I've probably had like seven different adult lives. Yeah. So like, <laughs> this one will pass. Yeah. There's another one. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. mis- this particular mistake area or this particular thing I circle back to, I'll eventually quit doing this. Yeah, I've good, done it before. And good and bad. Like mm, this thing that's working won't always be working. Really glad it's working now. And now I have the, the ability to Talk go. Talk about that. How come? Well, because, you know, I've been in a part of a number of things that worked for seasons that then ended. Yeah. And I've been in a number of seasons that felt like they would never end and nothing was working. And then yeah. that ended, you know? Yeah. So I think just having walked through that a number of times you realize that there's kind of a pattern to it and it gives you the freedom to both not go to the depths of your circumstance yeah. and also not ride the waves of your cir- like to be like yeah this is going great it's okay yeah. like i don't have to i don't have to pin my identity to my circumstance as much i still do Ooh, but not as much come you know on. in the middle of success you don't know it's the middle you know, it could it be over tomorrow, but right, yeah. in, in, in a day of success that it, you were also successful yesterday, mm-hmm. how do you appreciate that as much as you can, but also live in the, this won't last forever? Because you know me, I'm a seven. I'm like, this will last forever. And then he breaks up with me and I'm devastated. 
<laughs> You've seen firsthand. <laughs> See, yeah. Well, I think fours wake up going, well, it's probably over now. Yeah. This is probably it. They're all going to figure it out today. Because you're just waiting for everybody to figure out, you know, that you're faking. Uh, okay. That's the thing. Okay. Um, I think it's gratitude, though. That, that's probably the, one of the biggest things that, that I have learned in the in probably the last, I would say, ten years. And I can tell you where this came from, but was gratitude is kind of oxygen for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tell me where that came from. So I um, I got into Christian music when I was really young, like I was eighteen, and I, I started a career which is younger than maybe. With you a band that a lot of people a know, the Normals. I mean, that's a that's a people used to know band. People can know the Normals. I mean, I knew the Normals before I moved here. <laughs> and it's so funny because then the band I was in after that, which sold a lot more records, people still are now. No one has any idea. Like no one has a clue. Um, like people who work in this business, are like oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, like, yeah, we sold a lot of records. Yeah, um, and called. there and there it right. is, right? Yeah. But that's yeah, and that's the thing is like oh yeah, that ended, you know, yeah. and that was my identity for so long, and now it's. Like I don't think about it, mm-hmm. and if I don't, no one does. Yeah. Um, but all that to say, I got into this business when I was really young, and I didn't maybe know enough about myself or enough about the world at large to know that maybe this wasn't the right spot for the way I was built. Hmm. And I think there are a lot of people that get into, especially an artistic world with their faith, where they go, oh, now I have to create everything through this lens, but I don't want to create everything through this lens yeah. because I... Maybe I don't see things the way I used to, or um, would that explain the astronaut album you did? <laughs> <laughs> sure, that's be part of it. Yeah, but I think I, I got, which I love. We're gonna link to I would that because I talk about that. love I a, that album. You're so kind. I think it is so freaking brilliant. You're so, so kind. I mean it. I got real cynical. Mm. I think, um, man, that's such a dangerous word for our faith. And that happens to so many people it to in me. my world. It happens. To, yes. I mean, I think all of us, right? And so I, I've come to a point where I feel like. I talk about my cynicism like an alcoholic would talk about, like a sober alcoholic would talk about it. Like I'm oh, a recovering wow. cynic. Like wow. it's always there. And in the world that I'm in, it's always right there. Yeah. Cause you still work in Christian I music. I do, yeah. yeah. Um, to a greater degree than I did before. Yeah. Um, and so I have to actively fight it because it's always present, you know? How do you do that? I find myself in situations gratitude. where I get, it's, it's always gratitude. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, 0%. <laughs> Remember how sevens, <laughs> sevens, when we are interrupted and are interrupting, it's because we're having a great time. It's a problem. <laughs> so you just, and every time you interrupt me, I feel loved and seen oh, and heard. That's great. I didn't know gratitude was the trick, but that's the trick to be It has cynicism. been for me. And, um, and I think because cynicism, at least for me, the way I'm wired is typically rooted out of envy. Like I have an expectation, it's not met. I see somebody else meeting it. Mm. And then I just, I want that. Spiral. I spiral. I deserve it. They're, they're so stupid. This whole system's so stupid. Everything's so stupid. That's the way I probably spent a lot of my 20s. Everything's so stupid. <laughs> Everything's so stupid. Oh, I just, I just cringe. <laughs> I just cringe so much. That's going to be your like byline on the podcast episode with Andrew Osenga. Everything's so stupid. Everything's so stupid. Oh, I, oh I'm just like, I'm beat red right now. What I learned from that was like, oh, it's being grateful. It's, it's a choice. That Envy is a choice. Mm. And, and cynicism is a choice. And so is gratitude. Yeah. And gratitude is, oh, this thing that I have is good. Yeah. And let me focus on that. Let me help grow that. Let me help, uh, let me do the things in my life that foster the growth of the good things. How do you determine when gratitude isn't enough and you should walk away? Oh, that's good. Uh, community, your friends. Mm. Get some other voices involved. Yeah. Because you have to tell them the truth. about If you're cynical about something, you have to go, hey. Well, and your friends know. Yeah. Your friends know. And that, that's part of my story. They some, should. Some good friends that, that have over the years sat me down and been like, hey, stop. Mm-hmm. This is not good. Mm. And I've been, I'm really thankful for that. And, um, but was it terrible in the moment? Or no? Because uh, four is like that stuff. <laughs> it's probably true. Yeah. Um, no, it, it, it was very loving. I had people, you know, to speak the truth in love. And there are a, a number of people over the years who've done that in big and small ways. And so I think I'm really blessed in that I've got a community of, of people who know me well, who can see that stuff pretty quickly and are quick to say, hey, I don't know that this is healthy. When I hear mm. you talking like this, or mm. I, I see the pattern that I feel like you're getting into. And, and we all do that, right? And we all, um, none of us are immune 
to darkness or to bad choices or to just um, sort of letting our mind wander into places that are not fruitful. And so when we can be surrounded with people who are know us well enough to see that and have the freedom to call it out, uh, then you tend to not get all the way, you know? Oh, right. And it, it, it's sort of like they, my they friends are, my, are the guardrails, yes, you know, we're guardrails yes, yes, for yes, each yes, other. And yes. so um, I'm super, super grateful for that. You yeah. know, I pray that for my children. And it's, it's, yeah. Recently, a, a colleague of mine passed away, Rachel Held Evans. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I have watched in her passing has been all these other authors are all kind of saying to each other, I really appreciate you. I didn't say it to her, so I'll say mm. it to you, you know? But it, the other thing I've experienced in the last couple of days is people reaching out going, Are, is everybody okay? Is everybody okay? And and o- it almost feels like it, what I've seen with you and Allison's life, because we've been up close friends for a, a decade or so, is that y'all have really good, long history community. Yeah. You make new friends and you welcome people in, but you've also got these people that y'all have had for decades and I'm just deeply thankful for that. We've been in Nashville. We both moved here at the same time in 97. And so it's 2019. So we've been here for 22 years. So, I mean, this is home for us. And and we're still really close with a few people that we met like freshman year of college, you know, um, and talk regularly with. And and those tend to be those people. Yeah. That is crazy, isn't it? Um, do you remember that we met when you were with Cayman's Call? Because I, I was on the yeah. bus. <laughs> I was nannying for another family. Which is so crazy. And I was on one run, one weekend run that we went to a fair. We played a lot of fairs. In yeah. <laughs> and, and we sat, you and I sat next to each other on one of the bus uh, benches and you showed me pictures of your kids. Hilarious. I remember it super clearly. I don't know why. I, I remember it because I remember the pictures of your daughters. Hmm. And do you know a lot of people... This is your podcast. I shouldn't be talking. A lot of people who are listening that have heard me speak actually know of y'all's family because Sadie lets me tell a story of one Christmas when we did our pajama Mm -hmm. thing. So a lot of people listening know about Sadie telling me she hopes I never get married. Do you know the story? (laughs) Do you remember it? It's because she, but her reasoning was that when I got married, I wouldn't come over as much. I know. It's so sweet. So I want people to know She was reading your book last night, by the way, because you you dropped those books off. Yeah. yeah. the, The kids' versions. Yeah. And yeah, she literally like was like, "Look, it's time for bed. You have to put it down." <laughs> like, and all three of your daughters sleep in one bedroom. They do by and choice. By choice, like you moved all their things into one room, and they use the other room and rooms as yeah. work rooms and playrooms. And yeah, we what's... have a small house. Like we yeah. don't have a big house. We have three bedrooms. So there's my wife and I. There's like one kid in one, two kids in the other, and the kid who's by themselves just kept feeling left out. Yeah. So one day we were like, I mean, okay. Yeah. And we just, so literally there are beds in one room and then all their clothes are in the other. It is so janky. Right. It's great though. And tell their ages just so people can imagine it. 14, 12, and seven. Yeah. In all transparency, they will fight all day. And then at night they will lay in bed and like, Giggle. And they giggle and they're teaching, the two older are teaching their younger sister how to sing harmony. And they just sing in like three part (gasps) harmony. Oh my God. It's the greatest thing in. The world. I bet. We just stand outside the door and listen to them. Like, it's the greatest thing in the world. Do you remember? I don't remember which daughter it was. Was it Sadie? Was it the middle daughter who wrote a pop song when I was over there one time? Yeah, maybe. And you you recorded it while we were there. Sure. Yeah. That's happened a lot. So (laughs) you're like, sure, Annie. And now they're learning guitar and I can't even handle it. It's amazing that because your wife sings as well. So just the genetics of what's gotten dripped into your girls is impressive. It is. Some of it's this town. I mean, it's like the Colony House guys, Ellie Holcomb. Like, yeah. We know a lot of people who are second generation musicians now. Yes, yes. And I think some of it's just like, and I grew up and, you know, like yeah. my, a lot of my parents' friends were like teachers or farmers or insurance people. It's like, right. so that's what you see. That's what you expect. Like my kids have just sort of grown up around yeah. people. I remember when, when Ella, our oldest, was like, four or five, and she learned that people in Africa didn't have, were poor. She's mm-hmm. like, why are they poor? And I was like, um, I mean, I guess there aren't really like jobs that they can do where they can yeah. make a lot of money. And she said, we should send them guitars so their daddies can go to work. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because that's what she thought adults did. Wow. Which is so not. Right. Just, wow. And what it just doesn't skewed... quite go like that. Anyway, no. lots of guitars exist that did not turn into full-time careers. But that's all that to say, I think they've kind of grown up 
just around that, and they just yeah. think that's normal. Yeah. We just had Emily Richards on, who's Emily oh, yeah. Chapman Richards, who's Stephen Kirsch Chapman's daughter. And one of the conversations we had was how interesting it is to see these second generation mm-hmm. CCM kids yeah. growing up like Colony House and Ellie. And mm-hmm. it's all, and I remember going to church at Christ Community with them when the boys were probably like maybe seven and nine, eight oh, and wow. ten, when yeah. they were really little. And Stephen played guitar and like, uh, Caleb and Will played like little guitar and little yeah. drum set, and they like the three of them led worship for the whole church one, and it was they were great yeah. then. And then fifteen but years yeah. later, you were out on the road with them. Yeah, very true. How yeah, crazy. This is interesting. You're you have a podcast. How many seasons are y'all in? Uh, season four will start tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, when this comes out. Because what you do naturally, you do, I don't even know that you realize how how you do it, but it's why you're perfect for the Pivot podcast. Because your daughters all decided they wanted to be in one room, and y'all just pivoted. You just did hmm. it, you know? Like you I watched you and Allison and y'all just naturally let your lives pivot. Part cuz of your career, part cuz I mean y'all's home flooded once and you had to pivot twice. and twi- oh yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right, twice. Yeah. So what made you start a podcast about it besides the fact that I can on the outside look in and say your life naturally pivots well. Well, I thought you were going to say because you you remember you were a big part of that because we were at uh I think it was Charlotte, our uh-huh. youngest, was her fifth birthday. We had it Krispy Kreme. Yes. We've had all of our kids' fifth birthdays Everyone's fifth birthday. Yeah, I've been uh, in all of them. Turns out that that's like, that's like they give thing. you free donuts. <laughs> it's super cheap and great. And um, you, and you wa- add your own sprinkles. That's right. It's Which a, I always find to kid, be Parents, yeah. it, that, that is- Listen, a, y'all are missing that out. That is a yeah. tip. <laughs> that's all you get out of this. That's right. Um, no, but you walked in and you looked like straight to me and said, you need to start a podcast. Do you remember yeah. this? Yes. And- um. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, a couple of weeks after that, I, I kind of was mulling that. And I'd been kind of wondering, maybe I should do some. I had, so sorry, the long story is I had been a musician for like 16 years full time, yeah. uh, traveling, producing records, writing songs. And then I got to the point where I felt like I was either away from my family and making a living, or I was home and not making a living. So I was either like a good dad and a bad provider or a bad dad and a good provider. And I, I every day felt like I was failing. Someone, w- yeah, something was right? dropping. Like I was just, oh, one, of the, one of the keys of my life I was failing at. And so wow. um, when an opportunity opened up to take a record label job, I jumped at it. And so I took um, this gig and it was like top floor, big office in town. It was a very cool looking job. Yeah. And I was like, this so is it. So working the business side of the business music side. And I was, that was my first side. job. I was 35. I'd never yeah. had a job before. <laughs> like an actual, like a boss, right, right, right. you know? <laughs> I'd worked every second of my right. life. But, and so I thought, okay, this is it. This is my next thing. I'm going to I'm gonna grow in this job and I'm going to retire from this. And um, and then one day they were like, hey, you you don't work here anymore. And um, you're like, this hasn't happened <sighs> at my other job either. <laughs> no one can <laughs> fire you from being boss, self-employed. Nobody, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> And, um, and that's kind of what happens in that kind of a job. And But it was just new to me. And it was the first time in my life I didn't like land on my feet because I'm always this guy that's kind of doing eight things at once. And I was just doing that job. Yeah. And um, there was nothing to go back to. Everything had kind of moved on. And um, and so I just like spent six months kind of wandering around the woods, <laughs> like walking around Radnor Lake, which I did this morning, yes. and just praying and, and talking with a lot of friends and half-heartedly applying for jobs I didn't want and um, trying to figure out like, what do I do now? Like, I feel like that season of going on the road and being a guitar player for a living, like, I feel like that's done. I don't want to go back there, but I don't know where I want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, the bills are paid right now, but I don't know how they're going to be paid real soon. Yeah. And so I just spent a lot of time with people that I trusted and um, had to ask a lot of hard questions. And it was probably the most fruitful season of my life, even though it was probably the worst. Wow. Um, and out of that, came a, I made a record, which I thought I was done doing, that was kind of chronicling that journey. What's um, that one called? Called The Painted Desert. And it's very right. like Sufjan Stevens I thought that Stevens might be chill. Bones. Oh, that was the one I did before. I'm okay. always making some records. Yeah, yeah. That's right. um, <laughs> but this, was, this one honestly is my favorite record. Uh, really? Yeah. It's just, it's super... Honest and yeah. um, to me, it's really hopeful. It's, it's it probably sounds like a sad record to some people because it's kind of dealing with like grief and and loss, but it was kind of the 
the writing of that and the making of that is where I sort of found a lot of healing. Wow. And there's a lot of scripture in it. And uh, to me, it's just a really, I don't know, it's a very present record. It, yeah. it means a lot to me. But at the same time, I, like I said, I was having all these conversations with people that when your life kind of falls apart a little bit, all of a sudden people that you've known for a long time come up to you and they say, hey, you know, this happened to me once. And that all of a sudden everybody has a story that they've never told you before. Right. For whatever reason, now you're a safe place. And so they want to share their experience with you. And it's kind of like, how? There's this whole like side of all my friends that I didn't know. Yeah. And this is really good to know. And I'm in a town of like, of people who are great feelers and thinkers. And like, you know, we have ESPN because my wife likes to watch sports. My, <laughs> me and my guy friends sit around and read poetry and cry. Right. It's, and, um, <laughs> that's not, it's yeah, I'm not like, dear everyone, that's actually true. That's right. Yeah. And, um, that's why I decided uh, to do the, this podcast. I was following the school bus uh, home from a field trip because I was the dad that could go to the field trips because I didn't have a job. Yeah. And wanting, and I love podcasts. And I was like, nobody was uh, talking about the kind of things that all of my friends were now talking with yeah. me about. Yeah. And so that's when I, oh, maybe that's maybe that's useful to people. So I had this recording gear in my basement. So I just kind of lugged it around and chatted with some people. You came over to the yeah. You know, we sat at the kitchen table. Um, thank you for that. And Which um, you know that's the episode, while we're recording that, is when I figured out why I was writing Remember God. I remember that. I, I mean, that is, so if people read Remember God, it's the stories in there of me sitting at your table and going, oh, I'm writing this for me. I had no idea. And I cried mm. a lot that day, <laughs> with you and without you. Okay, yeah, so yeah. you just took it around, and everybody started telling you stories of what? Of pivoting to a new career? Yeah, or? just a lot of the people that are wanting to get into music specifically, but I think uh, even people that are in business or... You know, people want to su succeed. They want the American dream. They want to mm -hmm. grow and always kind of get that next level. Mm -hmm. um, but life doesn't typically look like that yeah. for most people, at least like we just talked about, like in every season, you're not climbing. Right. You know, in any career, you're not always climbing. And so I wanted to just talk about what happens when, uh, I use the analogy, when you walk in the room and you flip the light switch and it just doesn't turn on one day. Mm. I'm like, but it always used to work. Why is it not working? And that's like, oh, I guess we have to figure some things out. Yeah. And um, what used to just kind of always uh, work, you know, stops. And so to me, that's really interesting. And so whether it's your career, it started about career, but then quickly I was like, oh, this is also talking oh, about yeah. people's health, yes, people's faith, people's families. It is fascinating how the show has grown, like literally yeah. expanded in breadth as yeah. the seasons have gone on. It's been really fun. So I mean, I, you know, at first I talked to like musicians who also write books or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know. Um, you were a teacher, now you're an author. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I talked to a guy who's like, was in the NFL and now he teaches economics at Brentwood of Canada. Right, like, that's, right. That was super interesting. <laughs> but then I talked to my friend who like had cancer, thought she was going to die. Yeah. She didn't. Okay, now what's your life like? Yeah. You know, and that, those sorts of things or people who've like fought through addiction. What I've learned is that career is almost a symptom that sort of shows you how you're doing a lot of times, you know? It's like a thermometer, baby. It's a, yeah, right? It, yeah. It's a, it's a, like a metric you can use, but it's like, it doesn't define you and um, it follows how you're doing. Yeah. You know, if you're doing doing well as a person, you're healthy, like, you're probably gonna do all right in your career. Like you're not doing healthy, you're probably not gonna do so hot in your career. And maybe that's not always the case. Because um, that was gonna be my next question for you is what have you learned that a graduate or someone who is pivoting could could yeah. take away, but you're saying like care about your personal health. Yeah, and your relationships, and and because that's that stuff outlasts any kind Man, of career. Isn't that the truth, right? Yes. Like you have your years where you're hot, you have years where you're not. That's great. You decide you want to. I've seen this a lot in my uh, specific sort of field that I work in. Is that a lot of people hit the ground running? This is my dream. This is what I always want to do. Six years later, they're 28. They're like. I don't like this. Mm. What else do I do? I have a degree in music theory. Yeah, yeah. You know, and they're going like, "What do I do?" You know that that is that happens to ninety percent of the people that start in my business. Yeah, uh, there are very few people that are my age in the in the business. Yeah, and so a, there's a constant stream of people that are having to figure out what's next, and often they they have failure attached to that, right? Yeah, even if they came in and they succeeded, right? They did the thing they wanted to do. But then one day when they decide they don't want to do that anymore, when your identity is tied to that dream, 
then when you move on from that dream to go be a software analyst and take care of your kids, like you feel like you're a failure, but you're not, right? And so I think the biggest, one of the biggest things that I've gleaned from just talking to all these people and uh, besides how much I talk, because I have to edit myself. And that's oh, yeah, you have learn. to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has slowed down my interrupting when I listen back and go, Annie, I'll say to Chad, cut cut those last four minutes that were me talking. Yeah, I'm always like, what was that person doing when I was just <laughs> rambling? Um, <laughs> You're like, I'm trying to remember back. Were they asleep? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm clearly looking out the window at the birds at this point, just like, oh, but you know, Aristotle once said. And, um, but I, I've learned that like our circumstances... I think we just, we attach so much of our identity to our circumstances. And and every time you do that, it's going to fail you. Yes. Like that's the 100% thing. Yes. How do you do that? How do you not connect your identity to your career? There again, I think it comes back to gratitude to me. Okay. And that's me. And I don't think everybody's wired the same way, yeah. to be very clear. Yeah. Um, I had to lose it once. I had to have the whole thing go away mm-hmm. and think it was ending. And the Lord like ripped my identity from my career like, tearing a piece of raw chicken. I mean, it was like ripped apart because suddenly it was gone. Yep. So for my story, I had to lose it. I had to lose the writing and speaker career once and everybody tell me no and tell me that I was done <laughs> and think it's never coming back. So. Yeah. I mean, that that's exactly was my experience. Yeah. You know? And so when all of a sudden people start saying yes again, I mean, I think that's when you have the opportunity to say, oh, thank you, God. Or, yes. Or... That's right, because I'm so awesome. And guess what's going to no, happen again? No, yeah, it's going to happen. And, again. Well, it may happen again either way. Yeah, but, but, even, but if you, but what? I, but to me, I go like, yeah, that's a great opportunity. The Lord could take this away again. I today, I'll do the best I can with it. Mm-hmm. If He asks me to switch careers again, like He asked me to switch from teaching to writing, mm-hmm. I'm prepared to do that. I hope I don't do that. This is what I want to do forever. Mm-hmm. But it is that like, um, this could all go away. Yeah, but like you said too, like my wife and I have had twenty some years of friendship with a lot of people. And those people were my friends when things were going great. Yes. Those people were my friends when it wasn't. And they're my friends again now that it's like fine. Yeah. And they'll will be friends when it, no one cares about any of the records or books or podcasts yes. or things that we make, which is right. inevitable, right? There That's what I love about y'all. We're all like, like I'm in the Osanga family no matter what I do for my job. <laughs> that's very true. You know, like it's it, it does not matter. It does not matter. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a maybe a skill that Nashville people have is that when you've been here a while, all that other stuff just kind of, we don't care what you do. Yeah. Because we've seen you do nine things. Yeah. And there's a freedom to that, you know? Yeah. And I think I think when you're in the community and when, you've, when you're able to honestly just bring that stuff before the Lord and, and approach that stuff, anything good with humility and gratitude, then you're like, okay, this is really cool that I get to do this as opposed to I deserve this, you yes. know? Yes. And I think you also just, you learn some fundamentals of kind of how to interact with your career. Mm. You know, like it's a horse that you steer. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's a horse. It's not always going to go where you want it to go. <laughs> right. It's not a car that you steer. <laughs> right? It's a horse. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this analogy we're in right now, this one's brand new. So we're going to just Let's try go. this out. No, keep going. Keep going. Um, I don't know. I've been reading a lot of Westerns. Yeah. So, oh, um, wait a minute. Why? Do you know how much I love Westerns? Can we talk about Westerns? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's finish your analogy, but I'm writing down on my notebook, Westerns. Please. Because we're going there next. Hey, everybody, stick around for this uh, analogy of how your career is I'm like a horse. I'm so excited. And then we're going to the Wild West. It's going to go a little bit where it wants to go, but you you do like, you treat people well, your career is going to probably go well, right? Yeah. When you're honest, when you do the things you say you're going to do, when you keep your word, uh, when you are kind, and that's the thing, I talk with all the people that that I serve, and all, all, right now I'm in a, a role where like I take care of, uh, sort of shepherd a number of songwriters and artists, and yeah. and one of the things that I just like preach daily is like if the work that we're doing is not kind, and if the way that we do the work is not kind, then none of this is worth anything. Mm. I think when you approach your career like. Oh, this is not going to define me. This is sort of this is how I get from point A to point B. Yeah, you know, and those things that I want to that point B is like I want to provide for my family. I'd like to put something of meaning into the world. I want to foster good relationships. You know, there's a, a million things that happen because of our work. But 
that work can take so many shapes and, and so many different trails, you know? Yeah. And I think when you have a specific thing of it has to look this way, it has to be this way, because if not, then who am I? Mm. Like that's just, it's, it's, it's a recipe for heartbreak. Um, yeah. Versus sort of be, the adventure of like, who knows where we're gonna go? Like, I'm just gonna try to be faithful, you know, and, yeah. and be obedient and, and take care of everyone that I'm able to, yeah. Because I think there's something really important for men and women to remember that before sin came into the world, God offered us work. Yeah. That work was never a curse. Hard work is, there is so much joy and purity and and sacredness to good hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And so we don't have to treat it like, can't wait to be done with this. Mm -hmm. Though there are pieces of my job that I'm like, yeah, I want that to be done. That's hard. <laughs> sure. I want to be at the end of writing a book, not at the start. Oh, yeah. But uh, but yeah. good work is good work. Yeah. And that, and you know that. You know when you're in that zone where mm -hmm. you're where you're doing the thing that you feel like, "Oh man, I am meant to do this." Like yeah. you see some but you see LeBron play basketball and you're like, "Yeah. Yeah, for His sure. arms are meant to do that thing. Mine will <laughs> yeah. never do that thing." When I'm right. writing a song or I'm working with a songwriter, it's like, "Oh yeah, this is my, for whatever reason, like I'm kind of built to do this." Yeah. And there's a real joy in that, you know? Yeah. And it takes work to to be able to to be fluent in the thing that you want to be good at, you know? And ten thousand hours, right? And oh, the yeah. work says, yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, I love getting to talk about that because of my own experience through it and because I'm guiding so many other people kind mm -hmm. of through their own mm -hmm. careers. Mm -hmm. And I know that most of the people that I work with as as artists and songwriters won't probably retire from this gig. Like they will do this for a while and do yes. something else. Yes. And so how do I shepherd them? In a way that uh, that they feel like they were able to say, "Man, that was really good." Yeah, I'm glad I got to do that. We accomplished good things, and they're not burdened with guilt that it ended and, and shame. Yeah, that it ends when they go do something else. You know, yeah. so. Hey friends, just interrupting this conversation with Andy to tell you about a couple of our sponsors, Flamingo. Listen, Flamingo is getting real with us talking about women and body hair. Body hair is a reality and shaving is a big investment for women. The average woman spends over $10,000 in two months of her lifetime removing hair. There's a collection of women at Harry's, which is a brand that reinvented shaving for men, that saw an opportunity to create better hair removal solutions for women. The Flamingo team interviewed thousands of women about their body care routines and designed products for every step of your hair removal routine. I love the name Flamingo because it's like a nod to that one-legged pose you make in the shower when you're shaving your legs, right? Are you with me, else? And so it's like a flamingo standing. I thought that was really cute. So Flamingo wants you to enjoy shaving in 2019. So my friends can get the Flamingo Shave Set, a $22 value today, just for $16 plus free shipping. The Flamingo Shave Set includes an ergonomic weighted razor with a texture grip and hydrating aloe strip. And the Flamingo Razor is actually available in three colors with metal accents. They are so cute. It looks really good in your bathroom. It's two five-blade cartridges made to the same standard as men's at the Harry's factory in Germany that work for all the places you shave. Legs, knees, armpits, bikini lines, wherever. Foaming shave gel is also included with aloe vera, body lotion that hydrates and exfoliates for smoother skin over time, plus a hook to store your razor in the shower and a reusable travel pouch, which I find very helpful because you don't want to like cut yourself when you're just reaching around in your kit. So all products are cruelty-free and made without parabens, sulfates, mineral oils, or petrochemicals, which I think is really, really important. So get a set with all your shave essentials from Flamingo, the brand that Vogue, Glamour, and Fast Company are all talking about. A $22 value today for just $16 plus free shipping when you visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. That's right. Visit shopflamingo.com slash Annie. And remember, it's Flamingo just like the bird because that's how we have to stand in the shower when we're shaving our legs. So shopflamingo.com slash Annie. Also, thanks to Miracle Suit. You guys, summer is just around the corner, which means swimsuit season is here. And this year, you got to do what I did and treat yourself to a swimsuit that you're actually going to love wearing. Go to MiracleSuit.com. They have amazing selections of beautiful, high-quality control swimsuits designed to flatter all body types. And MiracleSuit.com makes it so easy to find the perfect swimsuit. Their fit guide takes like all the guesswork out of figuring out which suits are going to look best on you. 
For example, they'll recommend swimsuits that will accentuate your bust or give you tummy control or complement your long torso. And secondly, you can try them on in the comfort of your own home instead of like those dressing rooms that have terrible lighting. And there's free shipping and returns on all orders. I love my swimsuits from MiracleSuit.com. They're super comfortable, really good quality, and they look really cute. I am really, really happy with them. So now's the perfect time to get your swimsuit for summer from MiracleSuit.com. And you guys, listen, they made a deal that my friends will get 20% off by ordering through my special link. So go to MiracleSuit.com slash that sounds fun. Remember, that's how you get 20% off. MiracleSuit.com slash that sounds fun and pick out a swimsuit for your summer. So again, MiracleSuit.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to our show with Andy. I think one of the things I love making sure younger people know for me and even some of our peers is that like doing your best work and doing your dream job does not mean every day is a dream. <laughs> Definitely. You still have to do hard, like you still oh. have to do parts of your job that are not fun. And you'll work, you'll do more of that for the dream thing, for the oh, thing yeah. you really love, Oh yeah, do you know love, that sentence right? that I hate is when people say, um, when you found your dream job, you don't work a day in your life. I'm like, I wish. Yeah. I wish that was true. I work so much harder. Or you work overtime for free <laughs> right. all the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like I said, I start working as soon as I open my phone in the morning mm -hmm. because I'm going on something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I, I like for, okay, Westerns, we have to. Please. What what makes you read Westerns right now? Okay, so. What are you reading? Lonesome probably, Dove? Well, three years ago, everybody in my world talks about Lonesome Dove, the Peterson yes. brothers. Everybody talks about, so one one day I got it from the library and I sat, I had a long flight and I probably read a third of that book on that flight and was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever read in my yes. life. Uh-huh. And so, that book made me think, oh, I love Westerns. But then I read other Westerns that were not good. And it uh, turns out I like good writing. Yeah. <laughs> um, turns out I don't care about the topic as long as the writing isn't terrible. But it did kind of tweak my imagination, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so I started getting into more Westerns. So I've, I, I went through this Zane Gray phase of like the old 1920s, okay. like Dime Store. Yeah. I mean, I just ripped through them. And okay. there's there's one collection they printed in the 50s, like a hardback that I've been trying to collect. And, oh, wow. and at one point, my friend Eric Peters, who like yeah. runs this kind of used bookstore online, found the complete set and somebody had just given it away and oh, it was gone. Gross. And it was like, oh, it was all of them. <laughs> and I was like, that's my dream right now. And, uh, and they're cheap, but you can't find yeah. all of them. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple, there are a couple of modern ones that I've loved. Did you read The Sun? Philip Meyer? I watched it. I have not read I have it. Not, I watched I have not it on watched AMC. It. I've watched it twice. That book? Oh, so the so for people to know, perfect it's, book. It's oh, really perfect book. Perfect. I mean, and brutal. Yeah. Super violent. Yeah. Super dark. Because he's raised the the main character is born on the same day that Texas is becomes a state, so he's the first son of Texas. Oh, huh. That part I never really got that from the book. Yes, that's well, that's a big part in the show. Okay, but it is the same. I know it is from the book. Yeah, the, so the book is is there's four. It alternates chapters between four different generations of the same family. Oh, see, we only, the show only does two. It does the it does Eli mm -hmm. young and living yep. with the Native Americans. Yeah, and it does Eli as a grandfather and being a terrible person. Yes, so yep. that that's so those all are the there. only two we get on the show. Okay, in season one. Or, got it. Yeah, I think you there's one or two. You got to read this book. It okay. is it's the perfect so book. good. Okay. It's the kind of book when it's done and then you just sit there in the dark for an hour. And yeah, you're just yeah. like, and also it does that thing where it ends and everything kind of connects in like the last sentence where you go, <gasps> Yeah. <laughs> oh, I get it. You know? Yeah. Oh, but man, it's so good. Okay. I'll yeah. have to read that. What is it? I, I've really, I know you may mock me for this. You won't, you don't want me, but uh, I really have been, uh, not in a very serious way, but in a passive way, asking the Lord, what is it about Westerns that I like so much? What is it for you? Do you know? Mm -hmm. what's the, what's the, what is it that connects with your actual spirit, your actual heart that makes you go back to those kind of stories? Oh, man, that's a great question. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm always so honored when people say that to me. <laughs> I think that there's a sense of freedom. There's like, okay. there's you know, you're not you're not on the road. Yeah. You just, I want to go over there and you just go over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think, you know, you don't mess with red tape in Westerns. Yeah. There's a bad guy, you take him out. That's right. That's and there's right. something about that that's Murder. Like, so you like the murder <laughs> like part. The murder. 
like the swift justice. Oh, good lord. I think I, I'm interested as our friends respond on Instagram and Twitter to us to this conversation. <laughs> but I am interested because I think there's something about people who do our jobs that we love pioneering. Yes, definitely. And there's an attraction mm -hmm. to a pioneer story because we are doing that. That is in me, but I do not do that in a physical way because yeah. the world has been discovered to some degree. The bottom yeah. of the ocean has it. But the you know, I can't move to another landmass that someone else hasn't found. But I can I can absolutely be exploratory and pioneering in the work I do. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think I'm attracted to that. Oh, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. You think that's in you too? Is that part of our careers? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think it's the same thing that drives drives yeah. a lot of us. You yeah. Know? Um, I mean, it's, I was into sci-fi before yeah. this, and it's honestly those are like almost the exact same genre. Yeah. It's just a different ones on Earth. And it's one just is not. a different skin, but yeah. it's like it's the exact That's same kind of that. story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it's it's all frontier justice and like yeah. new, you know, finding the new world, and there's someone there you got to yeah. Because yeah, I'm always same. like when I, you've heard me say this before when I sit in work meetings, I say to people. Um, as long as I get to be the first, let's try. I love that. And I always go I like, get that. I mean, I, we can fail. I don't care. But if I'm first, let's try. Mm -hmm. We've gotten to do a couple of things where we've been first and then watched other people and go like, yeah, I don't care if it works. It's I want, it, feeling, I want it? it to work for them because I went first. And yeah. I just love that. I mean, I love, but it also means you're blazing trails and when you're blazing, you get burned. Very true. <laughs> so we've had some things really crash and burn too. <laughs> But that means you're trying things, you know, yeah. that, means, that means you're exploring and you're going to find something, yeah. you know, like, yeah. The real reason I brought you here, um, all this has just been an intro. Tell me what Bebo Norman's like. <laughs> 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 and how do we get him on my show? <laughs> His pivot episode I've listened to twice this because I've episode. never been more devastated by someone walking away from music than Bebo Norman, except you, <laughs> Andy Osanga. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The no, soundtrack it, of my youth. I mean that that dude is awesome, and uh, that was he was one of the first people when I started thinking about doing this podcast about changing careers. I was like, I got to talk to Bebo. And what's funny is that I hadn't talked to him in a little while. Yeah. And I thought that he was doing a job, and it turns out he had already moved on from that one to yes, a complete to a new one. job. I know that I just didn't see coming at all. Yeah, he talked about it in the show, he though, did, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. he went from. Being, being my favorite artist, to being a, to doing house remodeling, yes, yeah, selling and windows and selling windows to being a doctor, no, a, to being a physician's assistant. A PA. He's currently in school to become a physician. Yes, my old roommate is his professor. That's so awesome. <laughs> Do you know what happened at Halloween? Has he, have you heard this? That nope. all the all the other people in his class ordered vintage Bebo shirts and dressed up as fans on Halloween. And <laughs> yeah. That is so good. Isn't that brilliant? I've heard. He oh. hasn't told me that story yet because you haven't gotten him on my show yet. But we're going to. I feel good about it. He'll yeah, never do it. He'll totally do it. Have you called him? On what planet do I have Bebo Norman's phone number? Not this one. <laughs> we have not pioneered to where he's, he likes it better that way. He doesn't want me having his phone number. <laughs> he's like, I will just call and sing you know, 10,000 years or whatever that song was that I love. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. How many weddings was that song? Not the Hammer Holds. What was the wedding one? Was that, uh, what was the That was the same one? album though. Yeah. I know. We used to, I mean, we toured. The page has turned. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Didn't take me long to find it. Yeah. Oh man. So when you, you've seen across many of your friendships as a 40 year old, mm -hmm. How many careers have most of your friends, actual different careers? Oh, that's a good How many careers have most of your friends attempted? <laughs> attempted? I would say most of my friends, honest answer, probably most of my friends have attempted six and are on their fourth. Yeah. I've, I mean, I'm probably on my third and I'm 38. Yeah. Yeah. Full actual, like, this is all I do. Oh, now this is all I do. Oh, now I do this. I can say with, with great confidence, I would say most of my close friends are doing a job they didn't really know existed when they started doing yes. this. Yes. I mean, they you, you knew about, but you didn't really know. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, the job we did I do, like, podcast I, I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. Yeah, obviously, podcast didn't yeah. exist. It's different than our parents' generation. Because mm -hmm. people kind of did a job. You could do the job and you retired from the job. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just not really how our economy works. Is that now. what it is? Is it an economy mm -hmm. thing? They say, uh, so I've done some, some research on this too now. Because you're a pivot expert. You're the guy. That's why you're People here for graduation. People look to me and they think you're, that I should be. And yes. so then I went and went, I need to go study. 
Um, <laughs> I need to become what people say that I am. Yeah, yeah. I need to just have like five things I can say so I don't feel like mm-hmm. an idiot. But the, the estimate is that for people entering the workforce now, we'll probably change careers every five to seven years until they retire. Really? And you see that, in, uh, uh, especially in people that either started in tech or have entered in tech in their 40s and 50s. Uh, because so many so many white collar jobs are in tech, uh-huh. that uh, the number of friends I have who are in their 40s or 50s who are learning coding right now is yeah. astounding. Wow, okay. Um, Meanwhile, you know. I have a lot of friends who are choosing blue collar jobs, hmm. like being a welder yeah. or working on homes because they there's such a demand and the pay is high. And yeah. I mean, I have friends raising kids going like, hey, you really don't have to go to college. Yeah. Like, let's go to, te- if you want to work with your hands, let's go to technical school and be out in two years and not be in massive debt yeah. and make a good amount of, make a good living. Oh, and the college debt stuff? Oh, I mean, as a dad? What as a it? dad of three, knowing that there's no way on earth I can pay for them all to go to college, yeah. like that's not in the cards. I mean, it's terrifying. Also, the number of people I know who don't use any single part of their degree is high yeah. in my world. Same. Obviously not, that, that doesn't apply everywhere, but I'm working right now with uh, YWAM organization. Yeah, of course. On a, on a number of things. I love YWAM. I, we have, fa- I have family that's done it. I've, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge fan. So I just spent, uh, I've been spending time out in Hawaii in, in Kona. Yeah, uh, with um, circuit riders? Yeah. And so, Andy Bird and, man, yeah, that Andy Bird, that guy. I, yeah. I love wow. that dude. His teaching, he's no joke. Yeah, for sure. So it's been interesting to spend a lot of time recently with like 20-year-olds who are might go to college, but they went to the mission field. Yeah, when they were nineteen or eighteen, and to me, I'm like, I, this makes a lot of sense to me, not just in the spiritual sense of which I think it's good to do something like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, it's a great time to do something formative like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, yeah, if you're going to go into debt, sixty thousand dollars or one hundred and twenty thousand dollars, like you should probably really have a very clear idea of how you're going to pay that back. Yes, and like otherwise. I just, just be thoughtful. I, I talk to a lot of yes. people with their $120,000 music theory degrees. And I'm like, bro, what did you do? Yeah. This is not, um, I don't know how you get out from under that. And so I think students right now have to be very wise and thoughtful. Beyond their years, honestly. Beyond their years. They have to be wise beyond their years. And you have yeah. to know that just because the system sort of points you somewhere, doesn't mean that that's bad, but you have to be not critical, but you have to be, you have to have your eyes open Yeah. to know and it's back to that first question. Of, do you know yourself enough to know, is this worth it? Is this the right thing for yes, you? Yes, yes. And, um, and it'd be a point where I'd say to someone graduating high school that's listening, or even someone's graduating college, let people who know you speak into this. Absolutely. Even if you don't love their answer. Yeah. Because if I could, the things I could tell someone who's graduating high school or college now that I go like, you're not going to like this, but please open a savings account. You're not going to like this, but wear your retainer. <laughs> Like, where your retainer? I know. I tell young bands now, like, don't buy guitars. Yeah. <laughs> you only need one. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It looks... It I, looks cool. I have too many guitars and not enough in the savings account. Yes, yeah. yes, and guess right. What? It doesn't transfer later. Right. It, yeah. Right. So what do you say to someone who's a grown-up who mm-hmm. has someone in their life graduating and they're pivoting into oh, a new good. season? Yeah. What's something you would... What's some advice that they could give from their own life? Man, I mean... I think investing in your community is mm. truly the most important thing that you can do. Yeah. As you know, like most most people's careers honestly have come out of their community. Yes. You know, I mean, yeah, you can answer an ad on monster.com, yeah. right? But like Or you may win American Idol or you may there are ways <laughs> sure. that you can jump past the community part of this, but that's very rare. But even still, they're going to look at your resume and most of what's on your resume is like what did you what clubs were you a part of? What yeah, are you? What, yeah. what do you put into the world? Right? Yes. Like, like your community is the most important thing you can invest in. Yeah. When I, I don't mean just hanging out with people, but I mean like letting yourself be known. Right. And knowing other people, and having good, deep, hard, beautiful conversations, and that's where people go. You know what? I know an opportunity that for you that could be perfect. Mm-hmm. And that I mean that's how most people I know are in the roles that they're in. Yes. Um, Same. I mean, people text me all the time going, hey, can you help me find a fill in the blank? And I go, you know what? I met this one friend one time. And they're that, yeah. Yeah, totally. that's the trick. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not that the other stuff is not important. Obviously, like 
in my world, like, it's great to be a good hang and be a good friend. If you can't play guitar, you're probably not going to get the gig. You right. got to do the work. <laughs> you know, you got to be able to write a song or whatever. Like, you have to be able to right. be competent in the thing that you're in. But how you get that competence can look like a million different things. Yeah. Uh, but how you, dude, that Ben Rector song, You Can't Make Old Friends. Yes. That's the, like, that's the perfect line. Yep. Kill, it just killed me when I heard that. Oh, that video? I wish I had written that song. I <laughs> um, but that's the thing. It's like you can't, that's the one thing that you can't go back to school for is to make 20 years of friendship or 40 yes. years of friendship. Yes. And so, yeah. History with people matters. I mean, I remember Annie Barnes telling me that pretty early when, when I moved here. She said, time will build all the friendships that you want. Mm -hmm. Just keep working at it. Like stay in them mm -hmm. if you want them. And that has been what's true is time makes everything it makes everything understandable, honestly, to me. Makes and it makes the pivots worth it because you go, I bet I'll understand this at some point. Yeah. Well, and then when that happens, you're not alone, right? Because yeah. that's the thing about when your career changes, and, and honestly, change happens one of two ways: you decide it's time and I need to do the thing, or the thing happens. Right. Right. Those are the two. Like that's it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so, how you approach those two things is very different. Like. That's one of the other things I've learned talking to all these people is my notion of the American ideal and that we go and chase our destiny is almost completely shot. Mm. Um, there is like, yes, you work hard, you pursue your thing. But like, I think 90% of who we are is just how we respond to what happens to us because life happens yes. and it's going to happen whether you sit at home in your room and never leave and only watch Netflix or you're out there chasing everything. Which like, we'd recommend watching The Sun on AMC. Yes, we would. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> Hell uh, on Wheels. Have you watched I, Hell on Wheels? No, I, I started yeah. it. Was, it was, I watched it at the wrong time. It was a little too violent. Oh, and then okay. I, need, okay. I need to try it again. We actually have a young life friend who's in The Sun. What? Yeah, I know. He's like a, he plays an Indian. What? I know. How I have I never known it. to ask you this? Um, <laughs> We could just talk about Westerns easily That's right. for an hour. We're starting a new podcast. Um, <laughs> Annie and Andy out west. <laughs> Reviewing all your favorite Western stories. I'm, just gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna email you like nine different theme songs tomorrow morning. Because I'm already they're just exploding. Um Yeah, but that but honestly, like we get to kind of choose some things, but like a lot of it, like a lot of like we just talked about, like okay, so the Colony House kids and Ellie Holcomb, like, right? They grow up watching their parents be great at music. Shocker, they're great at music, right? Right. right. Like, did they choose that for themselves and work hard? Yes, totally. They've worked super hard. Yeah. Like, those guys have worked incredibly hard. They're incredibly talented. Also, they were in a city, you know, they grew up in this rarefied air and, you know, yeah. all these things like, and the truth is like, everyone doing anything is not in a vacuum. Like, all, none of us are in a vacuum, right? right? So we all come from our culture, our families, our communities, our economic statuses, our race, all of that stuff, like all for good or bad, like puts us in a position to do the things that are in front of us. We have, mm -hmm. we only have the certain options that are there and we can go chase for other options. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's the thing though, it's like life happens. You can choose to make a change or life happens to you. Yeah. What you are in control of is, is being the person that can handle either one of those things, mm. right? So when that stuff happens, you've got a community there for you. Yeah. You've got the skills necessary to do the things that you want to do. And so and that that's what you kind of need to know is like, what do you feel called to? What do you care about? Who are the people around you? And how do you foster those things? And then the doors that are going to open may or may not. And other doors that you never even imagined will for sure for everyone. And so anyway, that's Man, my thought. That's good. That. Tell me how you hear God when you're making a big decision, like a pivot kind of decision. Oh, man, that's really good. Well, you know, my instinct is often that God is telling me exactly the thing I want to hear, which is probably not true. <laughs> which is not as true as I wish it was. So I take that to my friends and I say, this is what I feel, this is what I think. And um, often they will, uh, like you referenced earlier, maybe have uh, an answer that I don't like. But I think you look to scripture and you look to, um, it all comes down to like, the things that you're being called to, does it lead you into further truth and usefulness and kindness. And those those are kind of the defining characteristics to me of any of the work that I, any kind of work that I think we're called into mm -hmm. is does it reflect truth, uh, both about God and about ourselves? Is it useful? Does it make the world a better place? Does it serve people? The thing that I feel like I'm called to, is it a tool that can do the job it's, it's meant to do? Yeah. 
and that can mean I said tried to say that as broadly as I could because yeah, yeah. it can mean anything. Yeah. Uh, but you know it when you go, yeah, the, this thing that I want to do doesn't actually serve the, the way I would try to use it. You know, yeah. Again, I think the most important thing is kindness. And is it kind to myself, to others? Does the work that I want to do invite people in or does it make them feel like they don't belong here? Yeah. And um, in my particular line of work with like worship music, that's like if you hear a song that's feel like everything is great, you're so great, this is all awesome, and somebody comes in and they're like, yeah, my mom just died. This clearly, this gospel you're singing about doesn't have anything to do with me. Yeah. Like you might even be saying true things, but that's not kind. Mm. And so how does the work that we do reflect kindness to whoever comes mm-hmm. across it? Mm-hmm. That's really good. You actually are the expert on this, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like we could do this for another hour of me oh, just like, I, I feel so like, kind. well, really. So tell me who you've got coming this season on The Pivot. Oh, man, I'm so excited about it. Uh, I think the first episode that will drop tomorrow is um, Amanda. Uh, Amanda. Oh, Amanda Cook. Amanda we Cook. had her too. Oh, you did? She's so lovely. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to fun. hear it. Everybody it loved her, so they're going to be about this. I mean, she was such a hit for us. Yeah. Man, I love her new record too. Oh, it's really good. She's unbelievable. Yeah. Really and she's good. just super great to be around. We like we're best friends immediately. I know. She's yeah. a great hang. Yeah. And the record, she's, uh, her music, I've always kind of wondered if she would be kind of dark and brooding. Yeah. Because I, you know, I kind of like, like people that are dark like and brooding. But like she is like very, very fun way. I was like, oh yeah, we could hang. Yeah, like, this totally. is fun. I, I really okay, enjoy talking so with Amanda her. Lindsay Cook. Um, I talked to some old friends, talked to my old friend, Eric Peters. Yeah. Uh, which was actually an amazing conversation. Uh, we talked a lot about sort of the expectations of what we thought our lives would look like and what yeah, they are. Yeah. And in there's a way you can do that that's like, Meh. and then you get p- past that sort of, and it was a very freeing conversation of just being able to look at, at um, our unmet expectations in a way that felt really holy. It was real, oh, pre- it was beautiful. amazing. I can't wait for people to hear that one. Okay. And then uh, a bunch of other people. I don't know, but, um, okay. And oh, it oh and I talked with Amanda. Jody Davis, who is the guitar player for the Newsboys. You do. <gasps> oh, with the spiky hair? Well, a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but also, he is the number one pipe maker in America. Like, like smoking pipes? Smoke a pipe. He's the number he is one considered pipe the maker godfather America. of American pipe making. <laughs> so that dude goes on to, like Won't the Newsboys is his side gig. Yes, because now he's a pipe maker. He's got these cases that he rolls in during, like like on a show day. Uh-huh. And all this like amazing woodworking stuff. And he's making pipes out Whittling of woolly pipes. mammoth tusk. You're lying to me. I'm not lying to you. And then it's like, oh, I'm time really to go play. Good. Sets it down, goes and plays the guitar that he built. And then- <laughs> Oh my uh, gosh. Yeah, it, got, it was fascinating. This guy, okay. So, I, so it's a really fun season. Great, okay. Yeah. Well, you, you, the work you do is, I mean, you know, I've been a fan for forever and oh, yeah. I just love you and your family. But this pivot stuff I think is so- important. So thank you for seeing a gap and not complaining, but filling it instead. Because your other option could have been like, why won't someone do a podcast? And you went, <laughs> I'll do the podcast. So thank you. You're um, very kind. Okay. I got one more question for All you. Right, this is it. how we always end the show. The question is, because the show's called That Sounds Fun, what yeah. sounds fun to you? What do you do for fun? Oh, man. I like to run very slowly. <laughs> um, I like to read Westerns. Yes. I don't have a lot of free time these days in my life, right. but but uh, I love hiking and writing. And uh what sounds fun to me right now is disappearing for like three weeks, staying in cabins, hiking in the morning, and like trying to write a book in the afternoon. I was going to say, are we going to get a book soon? I hope so. I hope so too. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm gonna Thanks for being on the brain. show. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, friends, Andy and I could have talked, gosh, like for another hour. I feel like we were just getting started on his expertise and what happens when your life starts to pivot. And so I hope you really enjoyed that. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast, The Pivot, and follow him on Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Tell him thanks for being on the show and how much these thoughts matter to you. And again, if you know a graduate, someone who's switching life places, this is a perfect episode to share with them, whether it's someone finishing school, maybe someone that's just had a new baby, or someone who's had some other life change that you think it would be really helpful to hear Andy talk about. That is what you should do. Just send him over the link. Hey, if you need anything else from me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs, F as in finished, because some of you are finished with school. Well done. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places. If you need anything from me, that is how you find me. I think that's it for me today. You guys go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Thursday with Margaret Feinberg. 